4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Adam Candy's here at Cofield. Hi, Candy. How high are you on the New Orleans Saints? By high, do you mean low? Because I'm not particularly high here at this moment because of a number of questions that still need to be answered uh, at a number of positions. That doesn't mean I can't be high by, you know, say the end of September, but maybe not right this moment. Well, all this talk of getting high. That's not the way you meant it. It's not the way. Uh, no, especially since I was walked into it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's get into the Saints. Aaron Summers is uh, working with the broadcast team, and she gives Cofield and Company of Vegas a couple of minutes. How are you? I am doing great, guys. How are y'all doing? We're good. We're good. good. Uh, so this is a relatively new gig for you. This is a cool gig. Uh, just so you know, we talk about New Orleans all the time because uh, I go down there at least once a year. It's one of my favorite places, and man, to be able to cover sports in New Orleans and especially the Saints with their recent tradition is pretty freaking cool. I'm very pumped. I just got here, started the gig on Monday. I'm going to be working for the Saints and the Pelicans. So getting to cover NFL team and NBA. And then, yes, this fan base is incredible, and I am so excited to have some fans back this year. You know, We're getting ready, gearing up for our first home preseason game on Monday. So it's early in terms of you getting a vibe for what's going on, but, you know, we are linked together as NFL cities, and I'm sure you saw yesterday what the Raiders did, saying that folks have to be fully vaccinated. Um, are you getting any kind of feed or, or vibe on what's going on with the Saints? Because, you know, the, the, the fully vaxxed thing or, uh, you know, having a test with you is a big change, and I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there who are like, what is going on? Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. I think everybody coming into this season was hoping we could come into the stadium, no masks, everything was going to be, you know, hunky-dory, but that's just not the case this year. So, yes, you're going to have to have your vaccination card or show a negative PCR within 72 hours. And that's just kind of what's going on in the city right now. You know, in Orleans Parish, if you go into a restaurant, go anywhere inside, you have to show your vaccination card. It's kind of just a continued push to try to get people on board because that's, you know, the best way to ensure everyone's safety. And, and with the players and staff, you want to make sure that everybody can play football games so we can keep this thing going this year. So, Aaron, as you get used to being around the team and uh, have these first few days here, what's the vibe you've had so far around the New Orleans camp? It's incredible. There is so much competition happening right now. I know everybody wants to talk about the quarterback situation, who's going to you know, fill in for Drew Brees, who has been here for so long and done so much for this team. But there's so much more going on than just that quarterback battle. I think that there's a lot of intensity, a lot of, you know, tough plays from some of these younger players. You know, they want to step up and be somebody for this team as they're kind of in a transition period here. And it's kind of fun because there hasn't been so many positions where competitions are going on right now and you can feel it in practice you can feel it you know in conversations with players you know everybody is really fighting to be that person on the team this year 
Well, Aaron, we have big questions about the battle for fourth cornerback. No, just kidding. We were going to ask about <laughs> Taysom Hill and, and Jameis Winston. Uh, how would you look at what's going on there with the quarterback situation? Like you said, it is the one everyone wants to know. I think part of that is because you have two such different players uh, in Taysom and in Jameis, where you know a lot of Taysom's work has been sort of I'm not want to demean it by saying gadget, but it's been different roles with the team. Whereas Jameis Winston sure. came from Tampa with a more traditional, uh, more traditional look. What have you gathered so far about what's going on in that situation? You know, everybody's excited about Jameis Winston's arm and the abilities there for the deep play, the you know the big game-changing moment um, with his arm and just how far he can throw the football. And then you know the other side of it is. Taysom Hill and his legs and his ability to run in the first preseason game against Baltimore. We didn't see either of that really, you know, the quarterbacks played it safe. That's kind of how they've been doing things in practice so far, making sure they get the fundamentals down, not making mistakes, um, not taking risks. And we kind of saw them play very similar in that first game this week. Jameis Winston has been taking reps with the first team. Looks like he's going to get the first, you know, go on Monday night against the Jaguars. He's going to, you know, take those uh, starting quarterback reps. And, you know, we've actually seen a little bit of Taysom Hill's um, mobility this week at practice. So he's kind of getting comfortable with the basics and, and kind of starting to show some flash in that area. But what's crazy is neither of these quarterbacks are really standing out as the guy. They're both doing well. It doesn't mean that neither of them are performing well. It's just there's not been a big separation between the two at this point. So sort of related question, and you'll see where I'm going with this in a, in a minute, but are you a fantasy football player? I, I do dabble in fantasy football, yes. Okay. So I think the one thing that a lot of fantasy football players who are going into their draft want to know is, are we going to see Michael Thomas for the Saints this year? And, and if so, when? And what's the latest with the star receiver? The goal is to see Michael Thomas this year for the Saints. You know, it was kind of in and out last year with injuries as well. He is working out. He's on pace to to get back with the team. I know there was a lot of talk back and forth between him and Coach Payton and social and who who said what and what was the what was the actual thing that happened over the course of this summer. But both sides have kind of put all that to rest. Michael Thomas came to Baltimore, he showed up, he's been a part of the team, he's been at practices, and uh, yeah, the goal is to have him come in and play, and we're looking kind of around that week six mark. Aaron Summers with us, working on the broadcast team for the Saints. I have 100% confidence that you're going to be objective on this beat. You're not a Saints fan at all, right? You, uh, you grew up in, did you grow up in North Carolina? I am from North Carolina. I've covered the NFC South, uh, covering the Panthers, of course, so familiar with the landscape here. I am not a fan. You know, when you cover teams, uh, I worked for a local TV station. You know, you're not really supposed to be a fan of anybody covering um, freelance, doing broadcasting as well. So not affiliated with any team until now. Now I am absolutely a Saints fan. (laughs) Well, I will tell you, uh, my partner's a Giants fan. I'm a Jets fan, so we're very objective on the Raiders. Uh, we're not, a, we're sometimes not objective on our own teams. They get us very angry, but uh, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, definitely got to play the home team now. Yes. 
Uh, Aaron Summers is with us. All right, let's look at the numbers here. Let's look at some of the, the betting numbers. Um, the over on a win total is nine. So what do you think? This is going to be a winning team this year? Or, or you know, if they uh, they have struggles at quarterback, could they actually have a, a big fall and be a sub-500 team? Look, I think everybody knows that this team is going to be very different as the season progresses. There's going to be a lot of players that are out those first few weeks due to different reasons. Um, we're looking at likely having 11 new starters in week one for this team. So, you know, if you kind of look at the unknowns, then you might think that it might not be as good of a season as people would want it to be here in New Orleans. However, a lot of those younger players have really stepped up. They might not be big names, but they are performing really well in practice, you know, during training camp. And we've, we saw some good moments from the defense definitely in that first preseason game and that was an area that people were unsure of but right now it looks like the defense is performing above expectations and once we can kind of solidify things on the offensive side then you know that nine win mark it doesn't look too bad Aaron congrats on the new job hopefully we get a chance to talk to you down the road thank you so much for the time absolutely thank you guys there she is, Aaron Summers, who's now working with the Pelicans and the Saints. Hmm. It's hard to bet under against a Sean Payton team, Candy, but I do have a lot of worries about their lack of flexibility when it came to the salary cap and having to cut so many guys. And are we just gonna are we just gonna blow off the fact that Michael Thomas seems to have done this on purpose? And I mean, is he in a big rush to come back? Or when the hell is he back? I don't think you're going to get much out of Michael Thomas for this team this year. I mean, they can have discussions about the relationship being in some way repaired between him and Peyton, but it goes beyond that. It's not just him and Peyton. It's him in the front office. Overall, Michael Thomas isn't going to risk his future for an organization that he doesn't think believes in him. So that, that number sitting there at nine right now on the Saints, it's interesting to me because I don't trust that receiver room at all. It might be as bad as any in the NFL, but they're really good on the offensive line. Really, really good on the offensive line. And the defensive line's not bad either, even uh, losing Trey Hendrickson. So it feels like the floor for this team is fairly high, but I also think the ceiling for them is pretty low too. So nine feels pretty on the nose for the Saints. Let's get back to some Raiders talk and also a little more preview of the UNLV football season. Former quarterback for the Rebels, Caleb Herring, one of our football insiders, is coming up. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Somebody please humor me and tell me one reason why Justin Fields wouldn't be the starting quarterback. Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback of Chicago Bears. It's Cofield and Company. I don't think there's any doubt that he should be the starter day one. Nothing like former NFL players, Candy, getting all crazy after uh, one game in the preseason. Justin Fields, Booger McFarland, Alex Brown, two former players who probably know that the preseason doesn't mean a whole lot, but uh, they're over the moon for Justin Fields, who now may be dealing with a groin injury. So let's get into quarterbacking. Let's get into trying to prep for a season, what the preseason means. Caleb Heron played the position at UNLV, calls the games, along with Russ Langer. Caleb, what's up, buddy? What's up, guys? How you doing? We're good, man. We're good. 
So it looks like Justin Fields may be a bit hampered by an injury here, which is going to you know probably hurt his cause to make a drive to be the uh, opening game quarterback. But so, uh, what's your impression of Justin Fields so far? Oh uh, yeah, I, I mean, I hope the growing isn't too bad. I mean, those, that's really nagging injury for a quarterback, first of all. So, but all indications from Darren's hand that he should be able to go for the next preseason game. But still, you hope it doesn't have any chance of him to get better. Uh, but no, my impressions are kind of what I had of him in college. And we talked about him before as a prospect, and my shock when he fell so far down in the draft board, and, and for whatever reason, I guess in the evaluation process and whatever uh, came up in film or meetings that had him slide down the draft. I thought he was clear-cut the number two quarterback coming out uh, of college. I think um, the, the way he handled himself in the preseason um, showed exactly that, that he, he's worthy of you know some sort of recognition as a, a solid rookie quarterback and one of the best um, that we have available this year. And uh, one that I think is, is going to have a big impact down the road whenever he does fully um, come into his role as a starter um, so I, I saw what I expected to see from from such a high prospect coming into things, right? I, I saw some poise, um, some playmaking ability, um, some impact, and, and those kind of things I expected. Um, the overreaction, you know, the, of he should be the starter. We I, I don't think I, I personally don't take that stance with anybody as either a freshman coming to college or a, a rookie coming into NFL. So it's, it's it's a lot more daunting a task to to come in immediately and have that kind of impact without full grasping the concept of the playbook and the system and the players around you, it's very hard to have, you know, that kind of impact immediately as a rookie coming into the NFL. Um, so, yeah, the push for him as a popularity contest to be the starter, yeah, of course, he's a big name right now. Nobody, you know, really has it behind Andy Dalton, the savior of the Bears. Um, but that push, I think, for the fandom should be reserved for the fans to, to want Justin Fields to play. I think wiser heads should prevail and wait until Justin Fields has developed into uh, for sure what you know you're going to get from him before you put him out there um, and may potentially put him out in a bad situation. Caleb, maybe help take me inside the mind of a quarterback going through one of these battles because Andy Dalton is getting clowned all over the place today for saying, yeah, that Justin's great, but right now it's my time. Everybody's kind of looking and saying, oh, yeah, okay, it's your time, Andy. But I mean, what what else did you expect the guy to say? Like, like, what else would you expect Andy Dalton to say? I mean, Andy Dalton still is coming in here thinking that if he plays well, he's going to make it as hard as possible on Matt Nagy to put Justin Fields in. And that's what you want him to say. If you're the Bears, that's what he should say. I don't know what you, I don't know anybody would be part of that statement. I mean, uh, anybody, I guess, in the situation, Seeing that somebody who's never played in the NFL before is just the guy, and then let's uh, let's try to grab Caleb on hold. We'll try to get a better connection there, but we could see where Caleb was going. I agree with him. I mean, Candy, do you not? I, you you want Andy Dalton? I mean, I don't know if he has to say, you know, <laughs> it's it's my team or it's my time, but. There's nothing wrong with him sounding confident, and and he and he, he gave the qualifier. He's like, yeah, Justin Fields is going to be great. Yeah, and the thing of it is, do you want Andy Dalton to come in here and say, "I know it's my job to be the seat warmer until we think Justin Fields can go"? Like, 
you don't want him saying that because if you're a Bears fan and you have heard all offseason, okay, the plan is for Andy Dalton to start, then look, you still want Andy Dalton to perform well enough for your team to win until Justin Fields gets in there. It's easy to clown him for saying that. It's easy to clown Andy Dalton, period. Whether it's how he played with the Cowboys last year or just the goofy red hair. But you know what? In the end, you still want him to say the things that he's saying. Caleb Herring's back with us. Caleb, finish up what you were saying about Dalton and competitiveness and saying the right thing. Yeah, I, I think that that sort of competition breeds the best in both players. I think, uh, you know, Justin Fields could learn the best from watching uh, a seasoned veteran perform well. And I think maybe that, that is a transitional phase that you want to have as a franchise um, where you have a veteran guy that kind of teaches him the ropes by example rather than just conceding and, and having everything handed to this new guy. We got to have kind of a trial by fire sort of situation, um, to some extent, because um, you know if he just walks in and everything's handed to him, you're never going to really know what he does under pressure or what what competition can produce out of him, and maybe not get the best version of Justin Fields because of that. So I think it's the right attitude for Andy Dalton to have. Um, come in and as if you just Gardner Minshew the same way. Come in and compete. Yeah, this guy got drafted number one overall, but I'm here. I want to compete too. I want to do the best I can, and uh, that competition could be best for the franchise in the long run. And like I said, cooler heads and wiser heads have to be able to realize, hey, yeah, we drafted this guy and we spent a lot of money on that draft pick um, to get him in here, but what's best for the franchise right now might be Andy Dalton. And that's no knock on Justin Fields. Maybe he's just not ready yet, but we need Andy Dalton to be ready, to be ready in the event that he is the best option at the time. Caleb Herring is with us, the former UNLV player. Um <laughs> Listen, again, in these preseason games, there's not a lot, a lot of dudes playing. Um, I did like, you know, what we saw from several guys who are trying to make the Raiders. We got a little look at some of the starters. I know you had to get something out of the game, right? Because I think I, the only tweet I saw from you is that Matt Millen uh, called Carl Nassib. What's his face? He kind of forgot his name. But uh, what else did you get from the game? Uh, you know, I got I got a lot. I think I, you see what happens when a guy has experience in the system and and talking and, okay about the offense and some of those dimes that were dropped on quarterback position there, but with Peterman, that those, those balls, I think, come from a confident quarterback, somebody who's been in the system for a while and understands what's going on on the field. And it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about with Justin Fields. Maybe the reason he's not ready is just he doesn't have a feel for it yet. And maybe the reason that Peterman wasn't ready in the previous preseason action he got or wasn't able to make throws like that was because he wasn't ready and didn't have a full grasp of, of the offense. But that's one thing that you can say. The offense looked, I think, pretty good from what we expected. Um, one of the things that I did notice, however, in the preseason was with all this simplification of the defense that we've been hearing about and how the new system is easier and the players can just let it loose and play, um, I saw a couple of instances in the first series um, where the defense didn't get lined up and they were having trouble getting communicated, the calls and the signals and things on the sidelines. Um, so that's kind of worrisome. Um, then considering the fact that some of the same old stories that happened last season that were so detrimental to the success on defense, like bad plays in key situations or mistakes. Although Nassib roughing the passer wasn't really, uh, I don't think, a good call. Um, uh, some of those things that came back to haunt them on third and long situations, I think, still a problem. So um, I did see some signs of encouragement, though. Pass rush existed, and I don't know if that's just how bad Seattle is right now at protecting the quarterback. Um, but I think that for the Raiders, you can hang your hat and say, we got pressure on the quarterback at times. We were able to disguise some blitzes and, and blitz in key situations and, and create pressure, but um, you take any positive signs on defense. But 
like I said, that first uh, that first series, something that worried me was the inability to get lined up on defense for some of those plays. And that, that to me, is just something that you can't have, especially when you've been touting how simple the defense is and how you're allowed to play more freely um, with this new system. So we'll see if that gets ironed out as the preseason goes on. And, and I, I guess that's what the preseason is for, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, 15 days until we see UNLV open up against Eastern Washington. That's not a lot of time to decide on who the quarterback is. And now uh, Doug Broomfield, I feel like, you know, may have fallen behind a little bit for a couple of days because he was wearing a walking boot. Uh, so and now he's back out of it. Uh, and uh, Marcus Oreo said, hey, it was just a precautionary measure. Make sure he didn't get stepped on. So what does that do in the quarterback battle when you miss a couple of days on the practice field, Caleb? Well, I think it does a little bit to the team's confidence in you, I guess. The team doesn't get to see you on the field producing, so that's one thing. Um, you don't get the on-the-field reps, which are also vital to build chemistry and timing um, with the routes and, and just with getting the live action. So you miss a little bit of that. But I think uh, the most important thing for quarterbacks right now, at least um, at this stage, is understanding and grasping the concepts, being able to get in the film room um, and kind of digest the information. Um, in preparation and, and understanding that side of things, the mental aspect of quarterbacking um, is, I think, more important when you're talking about separating yourself, right? So, um, but I, I take it a different way. I think, you know, it's kind of a sign of confidence um, in, in Broomfield's capability right now and where he's come to. If, if you're going to basically hold him out during a competition um, mm-hmm. based on, you know, precaution, um, I, I think that says you maybe have confidence that he is a little bit ahead. And maybe that's me reading into the situation a little bit more. But um, to me, if, if, if you're in, in locked in a, the heat of competition and there's some nagging injury that isn't serious, but you got to get these reps to make sure you're getting the decision right, I think you maybe have you know, are more apt to fight through that kind of thing and get out there and play regardless. Uh, so if it isn't as serious an injury as you know we may think with a boot on, and they're doing it for precautionary measures. Maybe that's saying, "Hey, Broomfield's got our confidence. We understand that he, maybe he he gets this. He's he doesn't need these reps quite as urgently as as maybe you would think in a competition. So maybe that's a sign of where the competition is leaning as far as Broomfield versus Rogers goes. So I don't know. Maybe it could just be me re- me reading into it and trying to make a story out of it. I guess, but who knows? We'll see. Fifty more days, like you said, a starter's going to be named. I think Coach Roy wants to have a name by the next scrimmage. So we'll see if there's any news out of that side coming in the few days coming up. Yeah, they're going to scrimmage tomorrow, and then we'll see what happens from there. Uh, last one, are we overlooking one of the bigger stories on the team, and that essentially is the quarterback of the defense? Uh, it looks like they've upgraded with uh, Jacoby Winman moving back from the defensive line to the linebacker level. Um, Marcus Arroyo and the coaches aren't you know, particularly over the top on many guys on the team. You know, they're, they're a little more reserved as everyone's battling for positions, but they've had a lot of good things to say about Jacoby Winman. Yeah, he was one, I think, the, the shining points on defense, at least, uh, for the team. Um, had a really breakout year at that defensive end position, a couple of sacks, uh, some key pass breakups, uh, deflections, I guess, at the line of scrimmage. So um, a very versatile frame from, from just his build. And maybe on any other roster, he would have been a little light in the pants to be playing defensive line from the, from the beginning. So I think more of a natural position for him to be on that second level of the defense. Um, but I think it makes, you know, one of your key players more versatile. It, it takes him and, and allows him to be more impactful in different areas on the field, where at defensive end, you're pretty much impacting the game as a pass rush or an edge setter. You're not really doing anything outside of that half of the field. But in the inside of that linebacking core, you have, one, the vision of the entire field. You can see kind of what's coming out in front of you. 
Um, then you have the variability with blitzing and coverage and um, run fits and things like that. And then you also have the freedom to move sideline to sideline, um, which is something you don't really have as an edge rusher. You, you're a contained guy, and if you don't do that job, then there's big plays that happen. But if you're the middle linebacker, you have a little bit more freedom of movement um, and, and vision to see where you need to be. And I think that that I think is a good key for UNLV. And outside of that, I think it creates depth. I think the recruiting class that came in during the offseason um, was a little heavy on outside linebacker. And I think just based on you guys that that came in last year and this offseason, whether it be transfers or what have you, there's a lot of emphasis on outside linebackers with this new 3-4 system on that, the, that the Rebels are trying to implement on defense. So moving him back into the interior line, uh, the linebacking core, kind of gives you depth at that position because, let's face it, they struggled there um, as far as being able to stop the run with their linebacking play. Um, and then uh, you, you add that depth at the defensive end with recruiting. So I think it makes the defense overall a little deeper. So uh, I think it's a big move, and I think it's going to go a long ways towards helping the production on the defensive side of the ball. Caleb, we appreciate it, dude. We'll see you soon. All right, guys. Take care. There he is, the former Rebel quarterback, part of the broadcast team, and uh, first game is up 7 o'clock on Thursday, September 2nd, over at Allegiant. It'll be UNLV taking on Eastern Washington. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Gotta move. All right, Fat Pack time, Candy, Cofield. Candy, you know I love watching TV to freaking wind down, chill out. Very much into the cooking shows. I told the audience about the next one to watch. Paris Hilton's cooking show. Are you interested you're not at all? Reaction out of me. No, you're not. No, listen, no, <laughs> listen. I, I, th- there were so many years that I had to care about Paris Hilton for one reason or another, like to be, you know, to like hold up a culturally re- relevant conversation. That is no longer the case, and I no longer have to care about her. And so, you are not convincing me to do that. Okay, this one might be more up your alley. Uh, one of our listeners, because you know people who listen to us know how into these cooking shows we are. One of our listeners, I'm trying to find his name now. I'll find it. Of course, now it disappears. Uh, recommended a show to me. And the show's headed up by some comedians, right? First and foremost, Bert Kreicher. So interesting guy. He did a he did kind of a retreat show on I think it was Netflix and went out somewhere remote with all of his friends and it just annoyed the crap out of me because uh, he's like a big prankster, like physical prankster. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of gross. It's not really funny. Not my cup of tea. So anyway, he started to. Uh, I guess I didn't realize this. He's been doing the show for like three seasons now on YouTube. He's got a cooking show called Something's Burning. So one of our listeners said, "Hey, I think you're gonna like it." And it's a very interesting mix. It's one of those shows where the cooking is very much in the backdrop. And I thought the conversation was kind of interesting here. He's talking to uh, Sal, who's on the, what, the freaking Crank Caller show, and some other guy, uh, is it Chris Stefano? And they start getting into their kind of guy relationship. And meanwhile, the whole time, uh, Bert is, like, slicing up 
some goodies because he's making pasta carbonara. Oh, like Are you wearing Lululemon pants? I am. It's sweet, right dude. there, baby. You got a nice head. Yeah, right there. I got to have a little surge jogger. One nineteen ninety nine. Don't be afraid of it, because yeah. it pays off in the long run. <laughs> you might not be used to. You might not be used to over a hundred dollar sweats. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, improve your life because you're going to feel it every day when you put them on. And it really is. I, I tell you what, I spend money on. Yeah, clothing and bedding and 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 and, and footwear, really. Okay, the sweatpants interested me. Are there, are there really Lululemon? That was a joke, right? Are there? Do they make men's sweatpants? There's a there's a whole men's line of Lululemon. I own none of it, uh, but right? I I once was I once was with a person who was very very into Lululemon, and so I spent plenty of time oh, oh, in the store damn. trying to find things. Was it a guy friend or a chick? I with as in was dating. Oh, like so really? yeah. Okay, I thought you meant like just hanging out with. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I I used to go to sports bars with my buddies and and do wings and beer, um, but then we realized like it's just so much more rewarding to get a hundred and twenty dollar pair of sweatpants. But I want to be open to this. I, I, I they seemed really happy. They were talking about traveling, long flights with hundred and twenty dollar sweatpants. I don't. Maybe I need to try it. Maybe I feel like you with the kind of sweatpants that I assume you wear. Could probably get 12 pairs for $120. That's a good point. I'm very much a value player. Now, this is where they broached a topic that I'm very interested in because I'm hesitant to buy stuff for myself, but I would love an active gift exchange amongst the guys on Cofield and Company. Sal's a great friend. He just one day just sent me a pillow. Yo, for another grown man to just buy you a pillow, that's dope shit. It is because he weighs a pillow that stays cold. Yeah, it's cool as the other side of the pillow, pillow all the time. All the time. They should make turn that into a national holiday called uh, Man Friend Day, where you send your man friend Every a present. Every day's Man Friend Day when yeah. your friend Segura me. sent me. No, you're a sick dicer. And then at the end, of course, like he's, he's one one of the guys is just fascinated with his dicing. So the conversation goes. So that's the kind of show it is. It's just very casual conversation, hardly talking about the food. At least the episode I watched, a uh, Corey, a Corey Meter, actually, uh, listener, suggested that to me. So thank you to thank you to Corey. Thank you very much to Corey. All right. So man friend gift day. Yes. No. I need more details. I need to know, first of all, who's involved. Because if it's a Cofield and Company thing, there are only certain people on this show who I trust uh, to, to take part in this. Well, I mean, I Adam Hill's going to be pissed off because he'll feel like he needs to reciprocate, but that's kind of the point. Couldn't we do like a Christmas in July every year? Right? And, and it'll be our man friend day. And, you know, you just get, you listen, you know, we listen to each other. We're a big family. We listen to each other all year long. We hear the wants and needs of our partners. And then uh, we surprise them. You know, like Adam Hill last week was expressing a discontent with the fact that he doesn't have a steering wheel cover or a window shield. So wouldn't that be great? Like three months later to go, you know what, my friend, I listen to you and I got you a top notch steering wheel cover and a sunshade. Anyone but Adam Hill. I mean, that's really where I'm headed with all of this, is that I, 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 won't, I do not want to participate in any sort of man-friend gift exchange that involves Adam because it doesn't work either way. He's not going to get a gift that I care about. He's not going to get a gift that involves him listening because he's mad about the fact that he has to get a gift. But then also, he's going to look at the gift you got him, and you're not even going to get that moment of someone looking at the gift and going, 
Oh, thank you. He's going to look at the gift and go, are you kidding me? Are you serious? So uh, unless we're just trying to spread a little bit of black cloud, which I'm all for, uh, then I don't know that I, I can get involved in this. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. He's been a fixture of sports talk radio for nearly two decades, bringing you breaking sports news and the biggest guests. Don't miss Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. I think I came up with a brilliant idea before we went to break. I will guarantee you that Brian Blessing and Stevie Slapshot exchange gifts at least a couple of times a year as uh, as good friends uh, on a man gift holiday. Right, Brian? Yep. He was off yesterday. He came back today. I paid for his personality bypass. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, have you used that line before? That seems yeah. to be in the Blessing That's tool. in, the, that, that's in the repertoire. Well, the problem is the first five didn't take. Okay. Hoping well, this one there, sticks. Yeah. By All the right, way, so little little disconcerted uh, concerned about the lack of trust on the uh, the team there, Steve. I, uh, I thought you were the coach, the GM. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to get on candy for not trusting Adam Hill in a gift exchange. I, honest to God, this is this is with all sincerity. You're saying you're not going to get him a Fruit Loop laced hot dog. You're not going to get him the windshield wiper thing. Or you're talking about sweatpants. Okay, this is a serious, nice gift for him. Yeah, uh, men's fanatics. What's the what's the budget? Well, I mean, we just played a clip where guys, friends were buying gifts that were over $100, so I guess 150 uh, on down. No, you have to go that high. Yeah. Something that Adam would actually like from Men's Fanatics, like $31.99, a Tyrod Taylor Virginia Tech shirt. Because it's a heartfelt gift. It's a gift he can have and say, thank you, it means something to me. Because you're not going to get him a Texans jersey. You're going to have to exchange it for a Lions jersey next year. He's weird now, though, because now that he's he's covering the Raiders all the time, he's like, I can't, I can't be a fan. So I don't. Oh, know. Oh, stop! No, that's why why we... a great idea. So what if they cost one hundred twenty-five? He travels all the time. I'm sure he'd love some good sweatpants. We'll all pitch in. That we will. Hold on a second. We will. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Adam. I, I didn't mean to get in the middle of this. The no, 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 no. I mean, Steve and I can talk about this off air, but. Uh, but the idea of us all taking up a collection to get Adam Hill sweatpants is a concept that has tr- trouble all written all over it. Why, why are sweatpants 130 bucks? Is there caviar in the pockets? I don't know, man. These guys are raving about how comfortable was it. You'll never go back once you have these, uh, you know, these high end sweatpants, especially if you're flying. I don't know. I don't know, man. It sounds like they're going marlin fishing and you're taking the bait. Hey, a little bit. A little bit. I could be. You're right. It could have been a work. It could just been a, a freaking product placement, and I'm get the, totally buying into it now. I'm pitching it to the audience, so uh, I can take the money and actually uh, help him get into one of these big contests. I'm curious. Are you getting into any of the the giant football contests, whether it's Westgate, William Hill, Golden Nugget, Circa? I don't even know if you if you have you done that in the past. I, I did the super contest uh, a couple of years ago. I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence. You know, maybe hook up with a partner, uh, clown around with it. I got so much other stuff going on. But what I will say, I'm, I'm very much more intrigued. And I know, you know, the majority of the concerts are doing stuff like this. But I know specifically Jay Cornegay's changed the rules. Now there are like, whatever, four or five 
in-season contest. And the premise that's brilliant is if you get off to a slow start, you don't get discouraged like you're out of it. You know, they're quarterly things. Uh, it, you're never out of it, so you can always start anew if you get off to a slow start. So, and that what that went from fifteen hundred down to a thousand bucks the entry. Yeah, it did. Um, do you think the NFL is so tight though that maybe the contest, the player, the mix of the NFL and college, or just straight college? Uh, well, Tony, what Tony Miller does the mix of college and pro. Okay. William Hill, William Hill's big one is straight college. You know the one the one thing though. And we've had this discussion a lot, and I, I, Kenny White thinks it's you know not syndicates, but the the math guys, the algorithm guys. But why this is happening? But this never happened before in the last four or five years. You know, you've got advanced lines up for next week's games. I don't know, pick a team. The Jets are you make you feel good. The Jets are two and a half against the Lions in the advanced line. The Lions win their game. The Jets stub their toe. The Lions open up one and a half on Sunday night. Right. You've never seen these ridiculous swings and adjustments, and it's not that the the odds makers got nutty or dumb. It's just it's what the betting market will will bear now. But the swings week to week, you never saw that, Steve. You never saw those kind of swings. How about the uh, about the Bears bill simply on the suggestion that Justin Fields has a you know groin injury? It's not a suggestion. He does. He may not play, and that number moved uh, like a point and a half. Yeah, it was five and a half. It's down to four, four and a half. And then I was wrong last week on that, to be honest with you. I thought, hey, okay, uh, you know, the, the Bills got the win, but I thought it was going to feature points, and it didn't. And Trubisky threw the ball twice. <laughs> he was one for two. But now Trubisky's going back against the Bears, and he was kind of popping off against them a little bit. But the Bills are all about staying healthy. And Fields looked really, really good. They keep saying, oh, well, you know, we're hoping he could play this weekend. If the guy's not running around in practice because of a groin, why would you expose him? But now Andy Dalton today says, hey, he's going to have a great career, but it's my time now. Is is he, like, pleading his case in the media? Does he really believe that? Have they told him something? Um, so all these games, Steve, I'll tell you this week, the under was the way to go last week. But I'm just sitting here looking. The Raiders-Rams had the scrimmage today. That got a little uh, snarky. Falcons, Dolphins, Jets, Packers, Titans, Bucks, Giants, Browns, Niners, Chargers, Jags, Saints. They're all having joint practices this week. Why would you throw your starter out in the preseason to begin with? But why would you throw them? You're getting work against the other team's first unit in a controlled environment where your quarterback's not going to get killed by some guy trying to make a team. I think all these teams that have these joint practices, I'm probably not telling anybody anything because the under was the way to go, but I think specifically the teams that had the joint practices, this stuff gets as vanilla as it gets. Brian Blessing, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 204, also locally on K-Shop. I was listening today to your show, and Mark Lawrence was on. I know you have him on all the time. And I thought you guys had a really interesting conversation about a lot of the new coaches in the SEC. Don't assume everyone in the SEC is just going to flow into the next season and be a superpower. And really, one of the teams to look at is uh, Brian Harson from you know moving from Boise to Auburn may have a little you know bit of a tough time in terms of the roster because of transfers. And uh, Auburn may not be you know that lock that it generally is to to challenge some of the big boys and win eight, nine, ten games. If I'm not mistaken, I'm going from memory. Malzahn left. I think the number that left was 19. 
Yeah. 19 transfers bailed out the door. You know, I think the one thing when you're looking at the college football, I don't know if, if you know, uh, the folks out there put enough stock in this, but find teams where, and, and Mark's always done a great job with this stuff, the coaching staffs, but specifically the continuity of the coordinators, that's a big thing. And I can't wait to see how this season unfolds in the first two, three, four weeks. Usually week one to week two, the biggest adjustment you'll see anywhere is college football. I think that's going to bleed into week three, maybe even week four. And some of these teams that maybe start really slow could end up being really good teams. It's just taking time for all these new guys to introduce themselves to one another. Yeah, I wouldn't flip out after week one results too because a lot of programs are having a face of you know a fellow Power Five. Uh, many of them have to play freaking conference games, and some are just not going to be ready. And that's not really you know uh, where you get your impression. You know if they get blown out, don't freaking write them off. No, I I agree completely. And so many of these new coaches, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. I think some of these teams could flail away at it all year long, but some of them will get better as the the weeks progress. But I think you'll see a team maybe, you know, really shock you that has has a couple of losses, maybe even three losses, but they may pull off a couple of monster upsets when you get to the end of October and into November because they figured it out. It just took them a long time to do it. All right, Brian. We'll let you go. Go uh, go look up some sweatpants, and we'll get a report when you buy one of these expensive well, pairs. Week, I, okay? I got news for you. I'm not, I'm not looking up $139 sweatpants. I'm not doing that. All right, there you go. Thanks, Brian. See you guys. Brian Blessing, Sirius XM Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio. He's also over on K-Shop. Uh, one result in baseball, Candy, from earlier in the day. I mean, is this the ultimate I told you so? First of all, the Padres were not aggressive enough at the trade deadline and got outmaneuvered, especially by the Dodgers. They didn't get enough starting pitching. I remember reading on the air the quote from uh, the GM saying, ah, you know, we're pretty – and actually, I think it might have been Jace Tingler, too. Uh, the manager said, you know, we're pretty happy with where the pitching is. Like, are you sure? Because, my God, it has fallen apart. And also in the I told you so category, Jake Arrieta, that, that's the reinforcement you can get? Did you see what he did today? I don't need to because I know exactly who Jake Arietta is. I just saw the uproar on Twitter over how bad he was. And uh, shocker, that's how bad he was for the Cubs. Minus 150 on the road, the Padres were. And Arietta did basically what he's done since he got off to a decent start. Three and a third, seven hits, five runs, if I'm correct. And I do the math quickly. I think that is now 63 runs allowed, 63 earned runs in his last 61 innings. Yikes. And that's but that's it, the guy they're like, Let, let's bring him in to reinforce things. But at least he's a swell guy who yells at reporters to take their mask off during press conferences. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.